0: Okay, welcome to Let's Talk Boha. Um, on this podcast, we go through a few finer points that lads tend to get a bit wrapped up on in Boher, and discuss them. Uh, this week on the show, we've got Dan Winter, who's the uh, returning UK team champion and a very successful fighter in White Company. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. It's good to see you again. It's been a long year. Um, for those that don't know you, if you could just give us a quick rundown, a bit of an introduction to yourself, who you are and how you've got into the sport and your career so far.
1: Um...
2: My name is Daniel Winter. I've been in the sport now since 2015. Um, my first Battle of the Nations was 2016 and I've done Battle of the Nations ever since. I've represented the c- country uh, four times in longsword and uh, three times in the heavyweight. Is it three times or twice? I can't remember how many times i was done pro fighting at the Battle of the Nations now. On that one, but yes, I've done the heavyweight Mm -hmm. um, representation Uh, since Battle of the Nations. Ever since they introduced it as a category, and then yeah, I've done bowhurt in every single year. Fives, twenty ones, which then became thirties, and obviously twelves when they introduced that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've taken
1: uh,
2: silver medal in the uh, heavyweight division, Battle of the Nations, and I took fourth last time. And I've come fourth in Longsword um, at the last Battle of the Nations. I also have, obviously, many medals in, in various other tournaments. And you the brought
0: a bit of self of White Company, haven't you? That's a, that's a well-known fact. Well, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I thought I'd run down, you know?
2: Um... Yeah. That's good to know. You've been around the block for a while now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you've been around the block for a while now. Um, You've seen a lot of people come into the sport, a lot of people uh, join it in your time. Um, what, What would you say is the most common mistake people are making as they're trying to break into the sport and starting their own training, for example? What's the most common denominator that lets people down? Footwork.
2: Footwork? Footwork. Everyone, constantly. Um, even in a lot of long-term fighters, their footwork Mm -hmm. is diabolical. Yeah, yeah. It's really shit. Uh, I mean, let's face it, footwork is boring to train. It's uh, one of the least sexy things to train, train, train,
0: isn't it? Um most certainly is.
2: But yeah, the, it is very, very, very boring. But you cannot throw good punches or Mm. good sword strikes without good footwork. It you is. can't position yourself in or wrestling without good footwork. Mm. You can't avoid getting getting thrown without good footwork. <laughs> it's literally the basis for anything you do, but it is the most neglected. Everyone gets on a pelt. And yeah. so often-
0: Everyone's shit, so not
2: I see them. Yeah. And so often I see them on a pelt, constantly just hitting a pelt and they're striped. With well, their arm might get good, mm. but you watch them and they're sort of feet together or too far all apart. tight roping and all, all that sort of stuff. stuff, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then they never learn to develop good hits mm. and never learn how to respond to them. Uh, and it's a massive flaw. It's the biggest flaw. Like I said, even lots of really long-term fighters that I mm. see, even in other countries, you watch them fight, And the footwork's just terrible. Hmm. Um, And it's, yeah, it really is the basis. It should be the first thing you train and the thing you give the most time to. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, It takes me back, I remember one of the most important lessons you taught me was, um, I remember you saying it offhandly during a training one time, the more important or exciting something is to train, the more boring it is to train. Because you used to take through a lot of footwork drills and all that sort of stuff. And they were dog-boring drills, but it was all the important stuff because people wanted to start throwing each other or it pals and do all the exciting stuff and all the really sexy, cool-looking stuff. But it's walking the straight line and turning on the spot. It is important. Um, how would you say to remedy that? Um, personally, I would like the uh, walking road system that Vuklov uh, put out in his YouTube videos a while ago. I like those sort of drills. Uh, what's your way of training footwork? <laughs>
2: I like the videos that Ukolov put out. I think they're very easy to follow and really good for beginners. Um, I have done martial arts most of my life, so my footwork comes in as a combination of um, wrestling and boxing footwork, Mm -hmm. traditionally. Um, These days, I spend a lot of time, when it comes to footwork, practicing explosive movements, my footwork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because obviously, I've, I've done footwork so much over tw- over my whole life from other martial arts and then into mm-hmm. the sport uh, I can walk very confidently from one side of the room to another you know, it, it sounds you know.
0: stupid doesn't it but um, a lot of people do well, fall over yeah, their own feet
2: don't. Yeah or as they walk you see their whole weight shift to their front foot and then their whole weight shift to their back foot hmm. rather than staying constantly in balance throughout um, which is what they should be achieving, constant balance all the time. Okay, um, so personally, when I'm on the Pell now, I practice this dynamic changes of position. Okay. Because um, this is obviously more of an experienced thing. But for me, obviously, I'm what I'm trying to develop is moving to the outside of an opponent, getting okay. around their shield, getting advantageous position.
0: Yeah, coming off that power um, line. And, yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm doing that. Um, but if you haven't mastered basic footwork, mm-hmm. um, then I would stick to it. When I was first learning the sport and having to redevelop my footwork, what I did a lot of was short practices throughout the day. Mm. Because, let's face it, if you're going to go train in an evening and you're going to go train for 90 minutes or two hours... You don't want to be spending thirty minutes of that doing footwork.
0: No, not really. You don't. No. You will shoot yourself.
2: No. Um, but two minutes while the kettle boils.
0: Yeah, that's um, you know that's saying like from the club drills, you could pick up little bits and pieces, and then you say as the kettle boils, or um, I used to do like stepping around corners, or when you're when I'm going between offices or something, shifting around corners. Like people be like, what the fuck are you doing? And you're there pretending you got a fucking sword in your hand, and you're like uh, nothing. <laughs> Yeah. But it's taking yeah. advantage of the little wins.
2: Yes, it is, because footwork is something you can practice anywhere. Mm. You don't need teammates, necessarily. You can do it by yourself. Yeah. And if you do 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there, stop. And, like, we, we all do it. How often mm. do you find yourself stood on one leg? Yeah. Just casually leaning in a really bad position. And if you take a moment to go, this is a really shit position, and then just get into a quick fighting stance, feel that balance again. Hmm. And then, you know, and then it's called, it's called resetting. And it's something that we do a lot when we fight. Somebody punches you, you stagger, and you have to quickly reset your footwork. Yeah, yeah. Balance. And you can practice that reset throughout the day. Every time you find yourself stood in a bad position,
0: do a quick reset. <laughs> I do something similar anytime so time I turn around and my dog's looking at me
1: in <laughs> <laughs> you know, a fine stance
0: go poke with my foot and we have a little fight and it's, it's good fun but um, yes yeah, little wins that's, that's brilliant uh, brilliant bit of advice there we'll um, go back to saying you just said that you've been doing martial arts uh, most of your life what would you say what disciplines have had the best transfer over to HMB for you Um,
2: personally I think Muay Thai um, or Muay Thai or however you wish to pronounce that um, is one of the best ones because people often will refer to, like, catch wrestling or MMA. Mm-hmm. The problem with both of those systems and judo is a lot of, like, judo throws, a lot of them, unless you do no-gi judo, yeah. rely on grabbing hold of the gi. Yeah, yeah, grips. So that's why mm-hmm. they do not work if you cannot grab a gi. Yeah. Um, they do have good throws that do work, but then you need to find somewhere that does uh, no-gi judo. Mm. Um, MMA, lots of their throws are sacrificial.
0: Their, yeah, aim, um...
2: their footwork is designed to get them in close, tackle the person to the floor, and then beat them on the ground. Mm. That doesn't work for us.
0: Not at all. No. Um,
2: so this is why I like Muay Thai for our sport because mm. the strike work is based off standing, and their catch and their, their all of their throws work of catching someone and kicking their feet out or very fast, explosive little, um, like,
0: trips. Setting up for catching um, people in bad footwork, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it, to it go is. back
2: to um, And so uh, I think Muay Thai is one of the best ones. If uh, you can find someone that doesn't know judo, then fantastic. Hmm. But uh, there's not many places that do know gi judo.
0: Something I'll add to on the Muay Thai is the... Um the attitude around that sport as well. Um, because I've trained a few different bits and pieces recently and I found the training in Mai Tai tends to be quite um, focused and hard and they don't mess about. Whereas, uh, go to BJJ, yeah, they'll train hard, but it's, it's a friendlier sort of counterculture to it. Um, judo, again, it doesn't tend to be a... It's trained like a sport rather than a fight. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. Mai Thai, it's... like You're just going to be kicking each other up and down the... Uh, up and down a training hall, and you're going to be doing rounds until you, yeah. you're in a heap. So it's got really good attitude that I think carries over as well on the mental side of it.
2: Uh, that is very true. Um, Muay Thai requires quite a good pain tolerance.
0: Yeah, it's not like, a, um, a bit training I've done here.
2: No, no, and yeah, uh, this is another reason. Um, I, uh, I find a lot of beginners are horrified or shocked at the level of pain you can feel in armour. Uh, um, I have got so many people getting armour. They're all excited, and you hit them, and they're like, "That really hurts!"
0: But you didn't die.
1: Like,
0: mm, yes. <laughs> you, you didn't die. That's what the armor's for. Like, I, it's worrying if something doesn't hurt because that means you're going into shock, mate. That's um... <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And at so, the same
2: time, if your armour is so thick, so heavy that you're not feeling any pain. Mm then you're probably going to be either exhausted too fast to actually do anything
0: in a fight. This is something I spoke to about the guys on the last podcast that came up. We talk about helmets, that uh, new people tend to protect themselves to the point of danger. Like if you're wearing yeah. too much armour, and heat is the biggest enemy. Like we've all seen people go down with heat, and that is the yeah. biggest problem. But, um, going on from that mental point there, what do you think is the most... Uh, underrated component of success for yourself or others that you've seen? Because obviously we all know cardio is king. We all know certain bits and pieces. But what do you think is the underrated thing that gets uh, that separates the winners from the losers? It's
2: always mindset.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, always. Those moments when you're stuck in a bad headlock and you're being choked and you're like almost vomiting because the thing's going into your neck
1: here.
2: Mm. It's um, those key moments. We've all felt them. How, you know, you're in those bad positions and you have that moment in your head when you think, just take a knee, yeah. just surrender. It
0: can all be we've over all felt right it. now. We've all I'm felt doing it to myself well. at this point. Mm.
2: Yeah, and we've all felt it in the gym as well when you're there and you're like, I don't want to do that last set. Yeah, Who's going to know if I don't do that last set?
0: Or um, you know. when you are looking at your trainers, getting ready to go to the gym, and you are like, "Oh, it's getting late. Should I?" Yeah,
1: yeah. This, exactly. We are our own and, worst it's those,
2: and it's those bobards mm. that make the difference. Because when you can really have a, a strong mindset, if you feel yourself thinking, you know, take a knee, surrender, give up. You've got to tell yourself, no. Mm. No, you won't, you are not happy to take seconds. You are not happy with it. You will not surrender, you will not give in. Because, and this is something I've said to a lot of new guys, if I go down, because I've been getting choked out, if I give up and lie on that floor, yeah, yeah. then what's going to happen to my teammates? You
0: don't want it's to be the first domino, five,
2: do you? No, to the five versus four. And then to a five, versus, you know, it's gonna. I've sort of, and if, if I've gone down, because I gave up, and I know I gave up, mm. then, and I watch my teammates want to get fucked up. How's that gonna make you feel?
0: It's no, no worse feeling than being on the floor and seeing your mate get a right kicking. And like, if you get put yeah. down legitimately, and you see it happening, you're like, oh, damn, mate, I wish I could help. But if you've just like because you're exhausted or something you're taking a knee and then you see your mate getting his like teeth pushed through his back end you're like oh. yeah. sorry yeah yes it's... exactly and it's and is it but and that
2: mindset starts not in the fight that mm. mindset starts in your training yes. it starts because you set yourself a routine you say i'm going to train three days a week four mm. days a week five days a week i am going to get up for that run in the morning yeah it starts there that's where the mindset starts. You tell yourself you are going to do it, and Mm -hmm. you do it. Don't just say it. You know, it's going to be tomorrow. It's always tomorrow. Mm. That mindset has to start because you make it start, and then from there, it will grow. Every time you get a little win, every time you do something you don't want to do because you told yourself you are going to do it anyway, Mm. you strengthen your mindset.
1: And over time,
2: that mindset will become steel. And then when you're in that yeah. list and you're getting choked, you know, or somebody's hitting you with a halberd and you're in pain, that mindset will be what wins at you. Mm. Not because you could do more reps than somebody else, not because you could run more of a mile than somebody else, but because when you're in that list, there is no surrender. You yeah. push, you push, push. But that mindset isn't, like I said, developed in the fight. That mindset is developed in all the little bits of mm. your life, in your training, and in those bits and moments of
0: discipline. Back, as we said, small wins. is a brilliant technique. Yeah, But um, it's people, because I've had periods where I do a lot of training in the week, people sometimes say like, um, oh, how do you get motivated for it? And um, I personally think you've got to step away from being motivated to things. So I think motivation is a very poor uh, regime maker. You should move away from motivation to discipline. Yes. I don't, absolutely. I didn't go to the gym every day and then do two hours of jujitsu in the evenings because I was motivated for it. I did it because that's what I do. My routine yes. was I go to the gym and then in the evening I went straight to jujitsu because that's what I done. I dis- had discipline in my routine rather than oh, motivation. Oh, sometimes I'll be outside that gym looking at it like, oh, <laughs> oh. but it's what i done. Yeah. So you turn up. So, Following the same sort of uh, pattern there of uh, underrated things, what what is the most underrated and underutilised part of preparation for competition for, for you? Like um, Again, so as all the physical training goes on, what do people skip out on the most when it comes to getting ready for competition in particular?
2: In my experience, sleep and rest. <laughs> Put your, foot okay. your clothes down mm. and get to sleep. Yeah. If I know a tournament coming in a couple of weeks, I make the real effort to get to bed early. Mm. I plan it so I will be in bed and I will get eight to nine hours sleep every night. Yeah. So that when I get to that tournament, I am rested. I am ready to go. Mm. You know, and as much as your nerves, like your body's energy, because it knows a fight's coming, tells you go, go into the gym, do that last set. Mm. Don't. Uh-uh. No amount of training two weeks before a tournament will make you any fitter, mm-hmm. any stronger or any more prepared all your preparation is done months, the years that you've been doing the sport leading up to that tournament mm-hmm. and all you could do in those next two weeks is rest heal, stretch do mobility work so your body is ready eat healthy food mm-hmm. you know so when you get to that tournament you, you are
0: ready yeah, sleep is the best supplement. It's, I've made a bit of an effort recently to get to bed now, hour, half hour early, and I've really been feeling the benefit. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. And th- there's a common theme here when it comes to stepping away from being good to being great. Is it's all the little unsexy things that you got to yes. do. Like no one wants. To, oh, how do I become a better fire? Go to bed earlier. No one wants to hear that, do they? But it is the important no, things. The so. um that's your preparation. Uh, one thing lads always want to hear about as well is kit. So, um, I think we, we've got a fairly well aligned ideas on kit at the moment. What, what's your harness look like at the moment for Bowher?
2: Um It's got articulated legs, mm-hmm. um, and it's got articulated arms, uh, both for the extra joint protection. Yeah, I go for steel, on the bony areas, mm. i.e. elbows, knee, head, hands. And, yeah. um, and I do go for steel on the thighs because let's the thighs take the most punishment. It's, it's a big target I'm when you start testing. that little squat, isn't it? It's, yeah. Yes. Um, but everything else, I go for titanium on all mm-hmm. the big squidgy bits. Um, I do try and drop as much weight on my kit as possible. Your target goal is really your armor should weigh no more than a third of your body weight, Mm -hmm. preferably as close to a quarter of your body weight as possible. That's that's really is your target goal. If Mm -hmm. you could get it down to a quarter of your body weight, you will not notice the weight behind you. Mm -hmm. Mm If it starts to creep past a quarter of your body weight up to a third, you start noticing it. And if it's heavier
0: than a third of your body weight, you've got problems. You ain't interested in that, are you? No. And uh, no. You're, you're a confirmed member of the Wolfrib Master Race as well, aren't you? Yes, I do prefer the Wolfrib. Um,
2: people talk about better breathing. Um, for me, I've really, when people talk about better breathing, what they're actually talking about is. Not that you actually struggle for breath in another mm. helmet. It's that the air gets very moist and warm.
0: Yeah, it gets claustrophobic, doesn't it, yeah.
2: And if anyone's ever spent any time in a sauna, <laughs> it's not comfortable to breathe. Would you want to exercise in a sauna? No. <laughs> and that's really what it is. It's not that you can't get air. It's the the moisture you breathe out trapped in a lot of other helmets. Well, mm. in a wolf rib, you just, it's there. But for me, the most important factor
0: of the wolf rib is just the vision yeah it's that um, yeah. peripheral stuff that you've got as well isn't it it's uh... you
2: know, and well the hands can't hit what the eye can't see
0: yeah I mean um... they can try but you flail about all <laughs> you want um, people talk about the danger of a wolf rib I've never really seen anyone get badly hurt in a wolf rib because the way it comes out I think the most bum twitchy moment I've ever seen in a wolf rib was yourself, I think it was in Plymouth, where you had the longsword come through the bottom and out the top.
2: So, Frib, um, this is a personal does. We have no bars over the ice, really big holes, because we want maximum vision. Now, I do not recommend that for any fighter that is not heavily experienced and highly skilled, mm. because that is a, we have huge yeah. ice slots. And I have had stuff come through those, but that's because I don't have the safety bar up here. Mm. Not because it's a wolf rib. it's because I've chosen to put the safety bar off because having anything in front of my eye is just annoying because yeah i think
0: mine are offset to about a 45 degree angle so so still got the protection there Mm. but it's what i look at i can see
2: yeah but for me i found because i had it set there as well Mm. but i found that when the sword strikes were coming in they come in at an outside angle Mm. and i found it made it much harder for those finer points of blocking okay um Um, but obviously, like I said, that's a personal choice. Like, when you're doing high-level pro-fighting with dueling, where you're talking, people are striking gaps within, yeah. like, centimetres of accuracy, You that, that, that's the sort of difference you're talking about with a blind spot. Mm. Most fighters, a wolf rib is very safe. All our strikes come in horizontal. The wolf rib will be away from the face as a big dome. Mm-hmm. So even if... Um, uh, things do come through, like, let's say cross guards, when someone punches you, they're well away from the face.
0: Yeah, we went through this in the last one, which legally is three and a half centimetre from your fists, as long as you're yeah. that however away. Yeah. it's gold. I mean, if you're wearing
2: any helmet, and it doesn't matter whether it's a wolf rib or is a clap visor, if the visor is so close to the face
1: mm. that
2: you can get um, a cross guard through a slot and into the face, it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. Not to mention, that if it's the visor's that close to your face, at some point, some hefty, massive is going to punch you in the face and it's going to break your nose. This is
0: why I've always so had problems, any... you know. I've, I nearly had to go through a bloody uh, <laughs> hound skull at some point.
2: Uh, so, you know, if it's coming the distance from the face, nothing comes through. Hmm. And I've always found with the wolf rib, you have two bars, obviously, and when something does come through slightly and you flinch because we all flinch if something comes towards our face. Yeah. The two bars catch whatever, split whatever
0: yeah, you're Yeah, and the bars away. are always at an angle that makes it... Hmm.
2: Yeah, very difficult. So, to be honest, a lot of people panic about the idea of a warfare. but yeah. I have found them to be very safe. Yeah. The only danger in any helmet is the size of your eye slot. Hmm. And like I said, it, as long as you have a safety bar over the eye slot, you're safe in any helmet.
0: Ideal. Is there anything else about your kit that you think is uh, different from the norm or outside the average that you think more people should adopt?
2: Um, my Boho kit.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say any of it's particularly outside the average, um, other than all all my leaves are riveted on. The leaves okay. on the knees. Um, and I find that because in I've had a few sets of kit now over the five years I've done, coming up to six years I've done the sport, and always what cracks is the leaf mm. along the elbow or the knee every yeah. time. And what i found is that if your leaf is riveted on, then it doesn't crack. It Worst comes case scenario, the, the rivet breaks, and yeah. And worst case sorry, if the rivet breaks, you just re-rivet it back on, hmm. and it's not a problem. Because I've seen a lot of over time, a lot of people have, and this includes myself, need to replace kit for no other reason than it's cracked along the um, the leaf line and it where just the leaf splits
0: in. Yeah, yeah, it splits okay. in, and then you lose the knee. Um,
2: that's the biggest difference, I would say. My kit has. Um, I do have inside leaves as well on the inside of the knee. Um, which also revits on very small leafs. You are seeing those on more markets. More I wouldn't say they were unusual, but um, a lot of beginner fighters don't seem to have them and I think that's just because they're not aware. Mm. So okay. I feel that a lot of make beginner fighters aware of having a small leaf on the inside of the knee because if you're obviously when you fight, one leg's always forward so if it's mm-hmm. left for your right. And when you're stood forwards and someone swings in an arc down, as a, they, without the leaf there, and this happened to me a few times in old kit, sometimes, particularly if it's an axe, you can get hit in the back of the
0: knee, not deliberately. But yeah, or it can it just, slide down off the edge of your cues and... Yeah, and then in. come into the And I've had that happen. Yeah. Um, and it's
2: no one's fault, other than that there's just a big gap there. It's
0: a fight, and it? it's, these things happen. So. Okay, and brilliant,
2: that's... Uh... the inside of the knee, then it just stops all these problems. And if your kit doesn't have one already, it's very easy just to cut a piece of metal mm. and rivet it on.
0: Oh, awesome! That's brilliant, brilliant bit of advice there. Okay, so um, moving on from there. Uh, obviously, you, you're uh, very well decorated from your career so far. What is your next? What's your next goal, personally, or as a team? Or what is it? What are you set on next? Apart from maybe actually having a tournament at some point in the near future?
1: <laughs>
0: well, there is
2: that one. But, um, I mean, as a team, our goal is the same as it's always been. We want to be the best in the world. Mm-hmm. We all train very hard all the time for that. Um, we've taken third place at of the Nation in the fives last time. And our aim is, well, is to take gold next time. Mm. Um, personally, my goal, my next one, is... I'm going to take the heavyweight position at Battle of the Nations. Um, and then once I've done that, my goal is to go for the heavyweight belt.
0: Oh, beautiful. Are we uh, anticipating a massive weight cut for that again this year? <laughs> that, yeah, that, was the, that was pretty <laughs> hellish for you last time, wasn't it? Yeah. I remember you yeah, uh, I getting know. onto that weighting pedal and you be like, oh, thank God, <laughs> I can eat again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, no, last time, five kilos, five weeks. Not fun, don't do it.
1: No,
2: now, I, I've been much more careful this time. I've been um, gradually losing weight for um, quite a while now. I'm safely, and I do mean safely, down to 92 kilos. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where before I always sat at sort of 95 to 100 and then had to cut down for tournaments.
1: Mm.
2: I've been making that extra effort. just eat a little less cake
0: (laughs) well personally that sounds miserable and I don't like it so uh, you can (laughs) keep that Um, so final point for us is uh, what does a week's training look like for you then what's your
2: regime well the minute my regime is um, Monday I get up at 6 in the morning and go for a 5 kilometer run Mm -hmm. then Monday evening I do weightlifting. Um, I keep it simple, um, just deadlift, uh, bench press, and then some um, like core work and you know, like work on like um, glutes and pos- my posterior chain to try and keep good posture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go for max effort on a Monday um, for max uh, power development. Then I rest all Tuesday, I don't train on a Tuesday. Um, Wednesday, again, get up for six in the morning for a run again. Um, then Wednesday evening, I do armoured uh, dueling and pro-fight training with my team. Then I rest Thursday again. Um, sometimes, well, uh, depending how I feel, Thursday evening, I will do maybe mobility work, um, some light very light exercise, not for fitness or strength, but to help correct any imbalances that are happening. Mm-hmm. Because both is all from the front, so we tend to develop a lot of muscles at the front pulling us forwards. Yeah, yeah. So then I will do some rowing, some pulls, to help straighten myself back up and correct <laughs> um, that. Then Friday, it's get up for a run at six in the morning again. Um, and then Friday evening, we do soft kit. Again, it's duels and pro fighting in soft kit um, with an emphasis on like technique mm-hmm. as opposed to just beating each other up. Um, and then Saturdays, I rest. And then Sundays, it's uh, bow training in armor. Um, yeah, usually lasts for about th- uh, between three and four hours um, with the team. You'll notice that my training is very, you know, one day on, one day off. Yeah. Uh, I find that works best for me to have some space in the morning, like cardio, and then do some, uh, I say strength work, because when you're wrestling a lot, there's a lot of strength involved in that. But there is obviously... Strength is the basis
0: of everything, really, isn't it? It's,
2: uh... <laughs> it is. You know, um, as a as a natural who you know doesn't take steroids or drugs, a lot of people make the mistake of not resting enough.
1: Mm. Oh yeah. And um, so they
2: go and they'll train and they put all this training into their program, and they forget to program rest. Yes. Yeah, just... And when window... I say rest, don't mean days of rest. It's um choosing to vary your exercise over the week hmm. so it's not always just go in and do you know lots of bench pressing or lots of rowing um, you've got to vary what you do and wow. I just find that one day full body one day on one day off so you're training like four days a week um, I train obviously back to back Sunday Monday um, but we train Sunday morning mm-hmm. uh, I'm training all this morning. So then I have all Sunday afternoon and evening before then I run again Monday morning and then you know train again Monday night.
1: Hmm.
2: I only go super heavy on weights once a week. Um, I feel that you don't really need to be lifting more than twice a week as a fighter. And even then I would say you only lift heavy once a week and the second time you lift weights should be working on uh, hitting the muscles that you don't normally hit, so like your posterior chain a lot, mm-hmm. um, back more, uh, maybe small support muscles um, around your shoulders, and maybe you try to touch your forearms, um, your neck. But even then, I don't take anything to exhaustion mm. because yeah. you're training four times a week, and you're doing a lot of explosive training with a lot of um, sparring, you can't afford to be exhausted from sparring. No. You can't afford to be exhausted when I'm training with my team because that's where the real training will come in. What I do in a gym for fitness and strength helps support that, Mm. but ultimately, it doesn't matter how fit I am or how strong I am, if I have no fighting technique, I will lose anyway.
0: Mm. So, so I need
2: to dedicate as much energy to that as possible
0: mm. so what you're saying there about needing to be rested when you're into to do technique training um, uh mistake people often make is so they think practice makes perfect when it's perfect practice makes perfect if yes. you if you go in tired and you just do shit technique you build up bad muscle memory you build up bad technique you do bad practice you, you don't get better this is why no. I don't like new guys particularly training on their own so much because, like, no. you, you see them just ingraining in horrible stuff, really. Yeah. But yeah Equally,
1: that's...
2: a lot of people in our sport, they will focus on, in my opinion, the wrong type of training. They'll go mm. and do, like, a 45-minute CrossFit workout, which is great. Mm. will make you very strong. Mm. But... The problem is is we only fight for 10 minutes yeah. assuming that you climb two rounds out
0: nobody wants to go that long do they <laughs> no, no like
2: you... in my entire career i've had two fights
0: hmm. two
2: fights that have gone longer you know um and that's because they were in finals hmm. of a tournament when there is no time limit and you know you end up doing like 30 odd minutes of fighting and there is and And that's an
0: extreme example. At at the other end of that, do you remember the first year we went to Flanders? Um, The whole tournament, I think we put up the videos and we've done a total of four minutes worth of fighting in the entire tournament.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So what, in my opinion, as a fighter, you're looking for, and
1: it's
2: not just my opinion, there is actually lots of examples of this, Mm. where what you've really been training for is for max effort, let's say five minutes, followed by a good rest, mm. followed by max effort again. So if you're going to do conditioning or something um, like that, it should be more on those lines. Or if I'm training for pro-fighting, I will do like uh, three minutes of max effort, mm-hmm. followed by like 90 seconds of rest, by three minutes of, you know, um, max effort, 90 seconds of rest, three minutes of max effort. And I don't need to really do more than that. people. Because if even if I could do four minutes of fighting every round, That doesn't necessarily, you know, in terms of fitness, that doesn't necessarily make a difference. Like, we're only fighting for three. Just because you can do four doesn't mean you can do more in three.
0: It's better to be good at three than mediocre at four.
2: Yeah. So that's how I tend to program most of my conditioning work and my focus on fitness is I want to be really, like really high intensity for short periods followed by Mm -hmm. a longer rest by short periods.
0: It's a that, that find, deep hole rather than a wide puddle, isn't it?
2: Yeah. And what I find is that over time, I've been able to do more work in that period. And sometimes it can be very hard to measure because normally people measure fitness by, oh, I did 30 minutes last time, I've managed 35 minutes now. Oh, I've done 10 reps, now I'm going to 12 reps. But when you're doing, no, no, no matter what, I'm going to do just three minutes or five minutes, then you start having to do workouts that are like, how many of something can I do in five minutes? Mm. How hard can I push in five minutes? And obviously, there is only so fast you move can move. So you might legitimately get to a point where within five minutes, you've done as many burpees as is humanly possible because you physically couldn't move any faster. Mm. You know, then that might legitimately happen if you, you know, get to a super fit point. Um, but if you've reached that point, then you're already super fit. So it becomes a you know, a question of how much more do you honestly need to do? Pop mm. um, well, uh, Russian MMA fighters often say that one of the mistakes a lot of Western MMA fighters make is they focus too much on fitness, mm. not enough on skills yeah, yeah. and developing skills. And that's because a lot of MMA fighters, if you look at their routines, are like work out in the morning, then you do some like technique work, then you'll, then you'll like rest. Then you'll work out in an evening, followed by technique work. Hmm. While a lot of the Russian MMA fighters... Born day, on the mat. Yeah, their day is just, we're going to roll on the mat a lot. We're going to spend lots of time on a punch bag. And then at the end of the day, they do maybe 15 minutes of really, really intense hmm. conditioning work. And that's it.
1: Hmm. Because
2: they've just spent all day
0: rolling on a mat or practicing on a punch bag. It's a more fun walk, version of fitness as well, isn't it? It is. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's a lot for the lads to digest there. Um, before we finish up, is there anything else you wanted to put out to the community that are listening?
2: Battle of the Nations is next year. Mm. If you're not already training, but you expect a spot, go and train. Look in that mirror, <laughs> ask yourself why you're not training and get out there and train. Because well, As I said last time, I would rather take a short chain than have a weak link.
0: Absolutely. Right. And that is the gospel truth there. Thank you very much for your time, Dan. And uh, we hope to have you back on again soon. For the rest of you out there listening, uh, hopefully later on in the week, we'll have a panel on to talk about weapons. Subscribe here and uh, listen to us next time. Thank you very much for your time.
2: Thank you and have a good day.